0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri and of course, as always, I'm joined by my co-host pal, Taylor Wells. How you doing, bud? Uh, still recovering
1: from last week's devastating news, but, you know.
0: I can't remember what your devastating news was.
1: Oh, I mean, you've only been rubbing it in for the past 8,000 years that we've known each other. It's quite, quite can depressing re- Can you refresh my memory? Um, something, something Final Fantasy
0: Nine blows, <laughs> and... <laughs> the boys are back in town this week for you guys. We've got a good show for you. Uh, We are celebrating Zelda Companions this week over at ZeldaDungeon.net. It is another themed week, and we are talking about our favorite Zelda Companions, as the title implies. Uh, So you're going to have some really cool stuff uh, headed to the site this week, uh, focusing on all of your... Your favorite helpers throughout the series there's going to be different articles looking at different vantage points and different opinions of all of these guys so uh we're here to we're here to kick it off and we're going to give you a rundown and run through of every single zelda companion and we're just going to talk about them what our thoughts were if we liked them, didn't like them etc etc uh we're going to go in chronological order so it's going to be kind of a, a walk down memory lane if you will from all of the zelda companions um so quickly, I guess we should just define what exactly a Zelda companion is. Because we were uh, we were coming, kind of coming to this resolution before we went right on the air. And so I think this is what we've come up with. A Zelda companion is somebody that travels with you almost at all times or can be called upon at any time for your immediate assistance. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. So a character like Groose is not a companion... Um, because while, you know, he does help you, he is not ex- implicitly tied to your journey necessarily. Uh, and you can't, he's not with you 24 seven and you can't call him whenever you want. And that would, the same would imply to Impa and any of her games that she's in. Um, whereas on the flip side, someone like Navi, someone like Minda would obviously fall into that companion category because they're with you all the time. Um, so we're going to break it down, and we're going to uh, go back, and we are going to discuss. Uh, we were we were thinking of ranking them, but you know what? We like them all, so we didn't really want to do that. But yeah, so there's going, to be, there's going to be a lot of great stuff hitting the site this week, a lot of in-depth pieces. I have something coming out. By the time you're listening to this, it should be out on the site already about Ezlo, so we'll dive into that in a little bit. But uh, there's going to be videos coming up. There is going to be just just lots of good stuff. So make sure that you head over to the site and check out Companion Week. But uh, with that said, how about we just dive right into it? Are you ready? Sounds good to me. All right. So, like we said, we're going to go in chronological order. And uh, let's go back to the very, 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 very beginning. Companions weren't really a thing for the first 10 years of the Zelda series life um you look at the first four games and there's there's nothing that really falls under our definition of a companion you do have the old man from Zelda you have your uncle from Link to the Past you have Marin from Link's Awakening who borderline but I think we disqualified her so all of those games unfortunately don't have somebody that we can really talk about which is too bad
1: so we're going to start with
0: the classic, so to speak. The classic. Navi. The Yeah. So our she, first companion ever in the Zelda
1: series. Yeah. And also, it's funny because she seems to have this dichotomy between being one of the more liked companions, but also one of the more disliked. Um, I think until until five fee Fi, Fo fum came out like I think she might have been one of the more disliked uh companions, but it was an interesting foray into a new system that Nintendo was obviously trying out um originally developed as a concept for the z targeting system and being able to have kind of like an indicator that wasn't like super in the way or annoying but could still be mm-hmm. really helpful and then also turned into a fairly important story piece throughout the entire uh, entirety of ocarina of time
0: yeah I, w- I always thought that was interesting that navi was kind of like a companion by necessity because you did have to have that something that would uh that would enable z-targeting and and other stuff like that um you know, let's just get the hate lesson jokes out of the way right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty... It can be annoying, for sure. But I, you know, I've played Ocarina of Time a lot this year. Probably more times this year than I've ever played before. And I've played that game a lot. And, yeah. you know, it's really not... It's not that bad. Um, it's, Honestly, I think now this- it's now just like a meme. Something that it's fun to pick on.
1: Yeah. Like during the during all of our practice runs and then, you know, even during the marathon, like I it it's interesting to me, it's like, you know, we have we've, we've heard so much from people just so like, Oh gosh, why is she always telling me to, you know, save my game or, you know, giving me useless information and <laughs> then you look at it and you and you see it's like she doesn't really ever talk to you unless you like she she'll say hey listen occasionally but then you'll you'll actually have to activate her in order for her to say something unless it's like super important to the story mm-hmm. and most of the time when she's talking during the story like she's not even really doing the whole hey listen thing it's like she's it's just dialogue yeah. and she's explaining something like the master sword when you when you first encounter in the in the temple of time
0: um, and you know what? I mean, like, if you're playing that game for the first time too, a lot of her advice is going to help you out because, yeah, uh, like, who who would have thought to go back to the Lost Woods? You know, after after the first dungeon, or after meeting Princess Zelda in Hyrule Castle. Probably not a lot of people would have went there naturally. I know that I didn't the first yeah. time that I played until she actually said no. something, and I was like, oh, maybe I should go there. There's probably something there. So I went straight to Kakariko. Yeah, yeah, me too. I went all the way up to, uh, I think, to Death Mountain until I finally clicked on what she was saying. I was also pretty young when I was playing, but hey. That um, that being said, so I don't think Navi is is as annoying as her, uh, you know, as her infamous rap would have you believe. But I also don't think that you forge the emotional connection with Navi, or at least I didn't. That you would in some later companions, and I think this was again because Na'vi was more in there by necessity rather than design.
1: You know, what's funny about that is that I kind of feel that, I feel that way about Tattle, you know, because for me, Na'vi was, I mean, for one thing, Majora's Mask was technically a shorter game than Ocarina of Time, so you had even less time to kind of bond with with Tattle than you did with Navi. Granted, Tattle seems to have a little bit more personality in the way she, in the way that she speaks. But as far as Navi goes, like, I don't know. So there was something about it when I was playing the game uh for the first time. Maybe this is because of my age, maybe it's because of, you know, the circumstances in my life at the time that I was playing the game. But she was always someone that I found comforting to have near me. And comforting to know that you know no matter what's happening in this game, she's gonna be there and she's gonna help me get through it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's fair. And that's, um, it, it really is in a an iconic opening scene like the boy without his fairy finally getting his fairy and is set off on his adventure. Um, I actually have a t shirt that says like, you know, it's time for the boy without a fairy to begin his journey. Or, uh, I need you know. to get one of those. So, so in that sense, yes, I really like Navi, but in in that same regard, it's more... I like that scene because it's it's almost like a fulfillment of that young boy's destiny coming to fruition rather than Navi herself. Um, but I, I do like Navi. I think that she gets a bad rap, and, uh, you know, she's is she one of my absolute favorites? No, but this was also the first time that the Zelda series had really, you know, done the whole companion bit. Um, so I think there was still some things that, that, you know, they needed to smooth out. But, I mean, on the whole, I would I would rank, like, I, I would say that Na'vi would be up there for me as far as companions go.
1: Yeah, and, and again, maybe this is nostalgia speaking, but, you know, Na, Na'vi is definitely my favorite companion
0: <clears throat> in the series. All right. Um, well, let's flip gears a little bit, and uh, let's talk about Epona.
1: So we're gonna yes. kind of we're gonna
0: kind of cheat here, and uh, we're gonna lump all of Epona's appearances just into one big discussion. So we're gonna have we're gonna have Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess. Obviously, would be the the main ones with Majora's Mask sprinkled in there a little bit. Um, but my I, I mostly think of Epona in Ocarina of Time sense, so that's probably where I'm gonna stick to a little bit here. But um, yeah. conversely, I you know Ipona. As probably the one for me, uh, you know. As your you favorite say? companion, uh, I yeah, might I might be my favorite. Might be my top three. It's near the top though. I'll tell you that. Um, you know what can you say about Epona? It's just it's a classic. It's your classic companion. You know, like like a man's best friend. You always know that like you can call her and she's gonna be there in an instant. She can bail you out. Um, I think they strengthen the bond a lot in Twilight Princess. That's one of the the highlights of Twilight Princess. is Pretty much anything Epona related. Um, you know, I, I I love Epona. She she to me has the same thing about Navi to you, where it's like, you, no matter what, she's always gonna be there, and uh, you, she's always gonna have your back. It's funny whenever I whenever I play, I actually if I get off Epona and leave her somewhere, I always take her like somewhere safe. Like I'll take her back to the ranch, or I'll take her to the Gruto uh shooting grounds or something like that and I'll leave her there cuz I right. don't want to leave her in the middle of the field.
1: That's that's great. I I could definitely agree that she's if not the best companion, she's definitely right up there. Ipona in, in it's surprising too in the amount of games that she doesn't appear in as well like Mhm. So when when you're thinking of, of the games she does appear in, the fact that like she is so iconic now to the series into which in any game where you're riding like it like able to ride somewhere or the game is vast enough to where you have a mount, like she is in the game and she's expected to be in the game and it's it's crazy because um Ocarina of Time, like, you your circumstances for meeting her, like she's this she she's this rebellious <laughs> rebellious mare who is only calmed down by and and kind of shy at the same time and she's only calmed down and and, and like likable when you know you know a specific song that bears her name and you're taught this by you know a, a q farm girl who you know may, many fans appreciate for those of you who don't know it's malin uh and then you go, end up going there later when you become an adult, and you kind of rescue her as well as you know save Lon Lon Ranch. But you know the the first iteration kind of mounted combat or mounted um, mechanics in, in a Zelda game it worked pretty well, and she she felt real for all the limitations of a of a '90s game. She still felt real to me back then. She, and she felt I very special. Everyone, I think.
0: Um, yeah, and that was like the first side quest I, I did. Like in, in every time, yeah. as soon as I could, I would always get Epona. When when you and I were practicing for the marathon this year, I felt absolutely horrible that I did not rescue Epona. Yeah, I, felt, I I felt horrible. I was just like, oh my god, I've played this game. I don't know how many times. That was the first time ever that I've I've just let her stay there, and I I felt like I betrayed a friend. <laughs>
1: We'll have to uh, work it into our our next run strats. Maybe maybe we'll be okay with losing two minutes off
0: our time to grab her. Or in my case, eight hours. Yeah, I think it's more than two minutes. Um, so let, yeah, let's keep it going here. Uh, let's flip over to Majora's Mask and talk about Tattle. Now, you briefly touched on Tattle earlier. Um, she she's not my favorite. She would probably rank towards the bottom on my companions just well it's it's hard to get out of that shadow of Navi you know what I mean yeah and I think that Tattle had a real hard time with that um and there's so there's so many interesting things about Majora's Mask there's so many interesting characters so much cool stuff going on and even it it's hard for her to to get out of that shadow you know um hmm even the start of the game, I mean, it it implies that Link is lost, looking for Navi. So right there, you have this ginormous shadow that that's already overcast. That I I just felt like Tattle had a hard time uh, escaping. She seemed to me just to be a slightly sassier Navi.
1: That's I, pretty I much exactly what she was. Y-
0: yeah. I, I mean, no, go ahead. Uh, I'm thinking of the word, the right word here. I think perfunctionary might be the word that I'm trying to find here. Um, her her presence in this game felt very much like you, like she was there because you needed to have a fairy to target somebody. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And she was there by, not because she was important to the story, because she wasn't. Um, that like the game could have could have for sure existed without Tattle in it and it wouldn't have been any different. You could probably lobby that same criticism for Navi as well. But I I feel like it's just very very it rings true for Tattle for me at least.
1: I disagree with going that far. I think Tattle is the product of a unfortunate circumstance in where her predecessor Navi was considered very annoying by the fan base in terms of, you know, the whole hey listen stuff and all that. But, like, fundamentally, the function that she served and the and the purpose that she served in the story ended up being, you know, something worth talking about. But when it seems like when Nintendo went back to make Majora's Mask and continue the whole companion idea, Tattle Tattle suffered because of that reputation. Where they, Nintendo's like, we well, want to make her less annoying, but we still need her to be part of the story. And so, like, she had like when you even when you Z-target with her and you try and get information about enemies, like all, all of her descriptions, like they don't have the same flavor that Navi's had. They're just mm-hmm. short to the point. This yeah. is an enemy. This is you know what their weakness might be. But in the story, she has, I think. Like, if you just went straight through the story and didn't do a whole bunch of side quests, she doesn't really have all that much dialogue. But the dialogue that she does have does seem to be very important for the scenes that she's in. So, like, in the beginning when she's kind of, like, you know, left behind by by Tail and, and Skull Kid. And then at the end when she's, you know, monologuing with everybody else. You know, there's... If you're looking at it from the standpoint of... You know, you just played this game for eight, you know eight hours or however long it took you to be play play and beat the game, and and you look at all the points where you you see her and and what she's saying, what she's doing. They don't happen a lot, but they but the points where they happen, they're really big. So it feels like she has a bigger role than she actually does.
0: Um, that's fair. I have this. This is gonna be stretching here for this comparison, but stay with me. Have you played Fire Emblem Awakening? No. All right, so there's a there's a mechanic in Fire Emblem Awakening where it's kind of Days of Future Past ish. someone's traveled back in time from the future to warn you about the future, and you know, depending on who your characters end up marrying, all of their children come back as well. And it's a really it's a really cool concept that works well in that game. So you get all these extra characters, um, uh, like from the future, that are that are a product of your choices and stuff in that game. In the sequel, Fire Emblem Fates they implement the same mechanic where like you can get the grown children of the people that you pair together but the way right. that they explain it is is super strange it's like they put them in a parallel world and it, it, they grew up there they grew up fast etc cetera, etc cetera. so the end of the end product is is that you get the same idea it's the same cool concept but the execution is just really wonky and it's like i don't know you might as well have just went with the same thing that's kind of how I feel about Tattle. So I hope that somebody out there has played Fire Emblem and, and kind of gets that reference. But that's how I feel about Tattle, where it's like, you know, she she's fine, but it wasn't done as well. And if it were up to me, I might have just had Navi in this game, because you already have that relationship, you already have that uh, that bond with her, and you wouldn't have to have her trying to be compared to what was already, by the time Majora's Mask came out, a fairly iconic character i think they
1: were also specifically going for that though because you have the the whole story set up for majora's mask is that link is looking for navi Mm
0: -hmm. and so
1: when you come across tattle and then she becomes your new companion it's kind of it's set up almost specifically for that comparison to happen
0: and but and then there's also the thing that you never actually do find navi so I, I don't know what it is. It's just like Taddle just never can escape the shadow of Navi to me. And that's unfortunate, I think. Okay. I, but, I would uh, say
1: Tattle is middle of the pack for
0: me. Yeah, I, I'm i looking at this list, and I think that she might rank second to last if you're going to make me rank them all. Um, okay. So let's move on, though, really quick. This is going to be a quick one. We just put these guys on here for fun, and we're going to lump them all together. We have our boys from the Oracle series, Ricky, Dimitri, and Moosh. So, Ricky the kangaroo, he's got some boxing gloves on, he's ready to throw down. Dimitri, the the red baby Dodongo, who uh, is is able to take you across perilous surfaces. And Moosh, we don't really know what he is. He's kind of like a big giant flying blue bear. He's like a fairy bear. He's a good guy. All these guys are good guys. There's something just extremely charming about these three. They're not companions in the classical sense of uh you know they're not important to the story. They don't really add anything. I think they're just like super fun funny little tidbits that are that that make the Oracle game stand out a little bit more.
1: Yeah, they're they're like simple interpretations of what Navi was and where you you need them for certain portions of the game and from then on it's it's you don't you don't really need them at all but they can come in handy they can come in useful there's little short tidbits about each one in terms of story but yeah uh, apart from that they're they're more like novelties in the game than full blown like companion companions but it's the closest thing the oracle games got to to having a full set of companions and as you said each one is is very charming it's very funny a lot of the situations they get themselves into, like... Oh, yeah, I, uh, I like them all. <laughs> if, if you remember, like, Dimitri's getting pretty much abused by a bunch of children, and then but those children go away if you give them bombs. <laughs> and then Dimitri's just like, oh,
0: thank you. Hey, that guy, that guy can climb waterfalls. That's no small feat right there. It's, it's pretty cool. and uh, I don't know it, anyone else that ju- can climb waterfalls except for Link in Breath of the Wild.
1: But What's funny baby. though is like I didn't remember what his artwork looked like. Is like his official artwork. So, <laughs> as we were looking at it before the show, I was just like, he looks like a baby. But it, you know, I've, I'm playing Oracle's seasons right now, so when I look at Dimitri's in-game model, he doesn't look like a baby in that.
0: Yeah. No, I I I think that they're all. Uh, I think all the Oracle guys are good guys. Maybe underrated companions that people uh, maybe forget exist. But we're gonna give I mean, them, I think we're gonna give them their 15 minutes here on this show.
1: I think Ricky was definitely the favorite amongst the um the, uh, the marathon staff. So like, I I've always I think, been a
0: sucker for Dimitri, the little red Dodongo. He's so cute.
1: Me too, but like every like I think mo- both Mosley and Mossy said that Dimitri was like their least favorite, and I'm like, why? <laughs> um, they they really like both Ricky and Moosh. Um, Moosh, for me, was... Moosh was just weird. So, like, I was, I think, what, 12 in this game came out? He is
0: a strange, strange creature, definitely. There, yeah. There's no way about that. I don't know...
1: <laughs> I, I, I really like his situations, because, like, he's he's super cute, too. Like, his in-game model, as well, um, I think, is one of the more detailed versions. It's, and... it's funny,
0: because, actually, his character art is... Like, his in-game model isn't as weird as... as he, like, you look at it and you're just like, that's strange. But then you look at his character and you're like, that's really strange. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely... Um, definitely funny, fun and interesting characters. Even, even <laughs> if they don't have the biggest parts in the games that they uh, take
0: place. Yeah, I, th- I think in. that they add a lot of charm. And yes. uh, some, sometimes that's all a good companion needs to do. So shout out to those two yeah. guys. Uh, let's move on. And who I doesn't only... have fun jumping around, punching things with Ricky, a big kangaroo? Yeah, that's true. It's too bad that the uh, that the chain chomp from Link's Awakening couldn't be considered as a companion, because that oh, been nice that would have been good. Uh, let's move on. I can only imagine where this guy stands on your list, there, Taylor Walls. I'm talking, of oh, course, man. about the King of Red Lions, aka the King of Hyrule. So,
1: surprisingly, he's actually not too far down. Um, there's a certain other that character on this list who is way further down than this character.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, King, King of Red Lions was was fine for me. Like, he, um... Despite my overall not-so-happy opinion about Wind Waker, um, King of Red Lions was good. He was a good companion. He, um... He was kind of like, he, he appeared to me to be what the perfect balance was that Nintendo was looking for when they were trying to create Na'vi and then Tattle, And I think that his his contribution to the story, both as, you know, kind of like your guide for a while, and then also kind of like this really important figure later on when you find out who he is and you know what his involvement is in both the past and what's happening now and then what happens at the end mm-hmm. it's it, it it's a full-on story he's probably one of the companions with the most developed backstory i want to say and Uh, yeah
0: he he kind of represented i think the tide where like your companion partner really started to be integral to the plot and not mm-hmm. just a footnote a, yeah, a footnote or or there because they needed to be. Um, by necessity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, I would so... agree. I, I don't uh, the King of Red Lions I think is is solid. He he never was annoying. Um he wasn't intrusive or overbearing. I liked his uh his arc at the end. Uh I thought mm-hmm. I thought that it was one of the the better arcs for companion. I'd say um yeah, I'd say he's probably, like, in the in the upper echelon of companions for me. Um, I always kind of compare him, and maybe this is wrong, but I always kind of compare him to uh, Kaopora, the owl. Oh, from Macarena? Yeah, I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's just because they're kind of, like, old sages and they, well, they're there off, to offer your very wisdom. very similar. Yeah, I because Kapor
1: Gabora is also Raru. So when you like, I think subconsciously a lot of people, you know, who obviously have made that connection by now, and especially since it's been outright stated that they're the mm-hmm. same person. But you know, so like when you um, when you think of Kapor Gabora, do you really think of the owl? Do you think of Raru?
0: Yeah, yeah, that that could actually exactly be it. It's just like something about the old wizened sage that reminds me mm. of uh, Kapora Gabora. Um, What's funny is playing yeah. through Breath of the Wild and meeting King Daphnes made me
1: miss The King of Red Lions <laughs> in, in Wind Waker, which is really weird for me because I didn't think I would ever miss anything from Wind Waker.
0: That you know what? I I am actually shocked that uh, you didn't take dump all over the King of Red Lions if I'm being totally honest.
1: No, we we we're saving that for later.
0: Um so yeah, there's just I uh, would the word I would use for King of Red Lions is solid. I don't know about you, but that's that's probably what I would say. Yeah, like well thought out. Okay, um, let's move on there. Let's talk about Ezlo. So, I actually I wrote a piece that will be out today about Ezlo that I that I was just telling Taylor before we went on air that I think is really fascinating and asks a lot of interesting questions. Um. I think he's really. I think he's a really interesting guy, for all the reasons that Minish Cap does not tell you. So, backing up here, Ezlo is of course the titular Minish Cap. Uh, he's this crotchety old guy that rides on your head, kind of like if Cranky Kong was a hat. That's pretty much Ezlo. <laughs> that is a fantastic comparison. <laughs> and I think that if you don't think about it, most people and most people probably don't, because a lot of people sleep on Minish Cap. If you don't think about it, Ezlo's probably not that interesting. But when you start to like really dive in, you're just like, you know, there are certain times in this game where Ezlo can seem a bit arrogant or a bit cold. And you go back and you watch this scene where Vadi steals this cap and Ezlo confronts him. He's he's very direct and emotionless about it. So it, it always has made me wonder, like, like before this guy was humbled, before he was turned into this hat by Vadi. like, was he just a giant asshole? Like, was he really cold? Was it, did, like, basically, did he make Vadi who he is? Could this have been averted if Ezlo was a more compassionate master? Um, Why did he build that hat in the first place? Was he going to use it and Vadi just beat him to the punch? So, I think that he's a really interesting character.
1: I definitely agree. I mean, especially since we find out, you know, throughout the story that, you know, for all intents and purposes Ezlo absolutely is the cause of you know this whole this whole mess and I, it's not so much his coldness that that kind of puts you in that place cuz like i i don't necessarily think that, that coldness equals you know jerk per se but his his arrogance and I don't know, his unflappable sense of like, you know, what I'm doing is right, you know, no matter what it is, is something that kind of contributed to my dislike for a later character on this list. So... But, I think Ezlo is a li- more likable character if only because I think his redeeming arc is a little bit better, but mm-hmm, I, yeah. I know most people will call me crazy for that, so...
0: Um... I don't like. That's the thing. I don't. I don't know if he's truly redeemed because you could make the argument that he's really in it for himself because the only way to get back to his regular body is, of course, to defeat Vadi. So it also just makes me wonder too. Like we're we're told that Eslo is this incredibly smart, gifted sage. I mean, the guy created a hat that could grant wishes, so he's got to be he's got to be pretty okay in the brain department there, right? Right. How did this guy not see Vadi for who he was? Well,
1: because again, or, like just because you're really, really smart. Well, just because you're really, really smart doesn't mean that you, you know, have the same kind of emotional intellect or social intellect that, you know, someone who, you know, is is more out there and in the world and experiencing it with other people
0: might be. That You know what, that As could the, very well be the case. But I think I also say that that's kind of a boring answer. The most obvious one's a boring answer. So I'm going to throw this one out there. Did sure. you see his true nature? And did vadi just simply steal the hat before Ezlo could use it for himself? Food for thought.
1: Or, or, did Ezlo orchestrate the whole thing and let him get the hat?
0: I mean, all, of course, all this is based on speculation, but that's what we're great at here on the Champions Cast. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, like I, I think that... I think on the surface level, there's probably not a lot to Ezlo. You know, he's a master betrayed and he's helping Link out and by the end of the game, it would seem that he forms a camaraderie with Link. Maybe not on the level of like a, a Na'vi or a Midna or something like that. But uh, you know, I, I think that there's more to this story that maybe meets the eye. So for that reason, he's always been one of my favorites. And also just because I'm a Minish Cap Mark. Um, you know, anything about that yeah. game I, I try and promote. But, um... You know, Ezlo, I think he's really interesting. and I think a lot of people sleep on him, and they shouldn't.
1: He's also pretty charming. Like, he's got a couple of elements that Ricky, Dimitri, and Moosh introduced and in where, yeah. you know, he's kind of, I, he's, I just he's love that quir- he's, I like, quirky, this but... crotchety
0: old man that yeah. sits on your head. That, that's and great. the noises
1: he makes when he talks to you sometimes.
0: Hey! <laughs> so Whopper funny. Snapper. All right, let's get to the big one, of course. Let's talk about Midna. From Twilight Princess. The consensus among Zelda fans is that Midna is the best Zelda companion. I know that you don't agree. I don't agree either, but maybe not to the extent that you don't agree. But let's talk about our feelings towards Midna.
1: I've kind of just come to acceptance that you know, the the more we get into these finer details of not just characters, but you know, Zelda story and especially anything that roams anywhere near Wind Waker or Twilight Princess, that people are just going to hate me and hate me more. And I'm okay with that for now. You know, I, I've learned from the heel spateri. I, I will be the heel tailor in this in this regard.
0: Midna... I definitely hate you, that's for sure.
1: It, well, I mean, who doesn't now? Uh, yeah. Midna's by far, mm-hmm. I think, my least favorite companion in the Zelda series. And it, a lot of it is less to do with her like her implementation to the game, and just more to do with her actual character. Like, I just can't stand her character. I don't like her.
0: Yeah, um, I think a lot of Zelda fans are really of the opinion that because Midna had such a character arc that that makes her a great companion. Um, I think that because she has such a character arc that makes her a great character... But I don't really like her, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that she is a fully flushed out character that you know acts in a certain way, but I just I don't really like her at the same time. So mm-hmm. and this is when, why when people I, use I, I that as to... an argument, like she has such a good character arc. Like you're right, it's just I I still don't really like her. I didn't like her before. I'm not really in love with her at the end. She's better, but I'm not in love with her.
1: Well, that's the thing too. It's like it's why I'm kind of glad that we're not doing a definitive ranking of these characters because if we were, Midna would have to be higher on my list because of her implementation into the game and how she's, you know, very not only just useful in the game, but also her character arc is really good. It's just personally, I I don't I don't get along with her. I don't like her. Her personality to me just rubs me the entirely wrong way. Um I've known a lot of people like her in real life who are just not good news people. So it's it's tough for me because from a, from a writing standpoint, from a person who enjoys stories so much, Midna's arc is great. And Midna is a fully fleshed out character. She just happens to be a character who has traits that I despise. And I think that when... When it, when creating Midna, they could have gone the same route, you know, you know, where people are always saying like her character arc is so great. Well, yeah, but you could still make them a likable character, like King of Red Lions, because King um, of Red Lions had a great story arc
0: and he was likable. Let's use. I, I think this is the best example to to use against Midna is gruce gruce you know, gruce starts off as a jerk as well. I didn't really, I you know, I hated gruce when the game started, but mm-hmm. I loved him by the time it ended, because he kind of. Like, he comes around and stays in character, but also has enough redeeming qualities that you're just like, you can't help but love the big fella. And, and in this in this particular instance with Midna, I think that there is a scene that's just too sharp of a character contrast for me for everything I've seen before. So when when Midna sees Zelda sacrifice herself for her, it, it, it's just like it's like a snapping of the fingers and all of a sudden she's just like, yep. Okay. Let's, we're all a team now. We're all, we're all together. Um, I don't know what it was. It just, it just felt it was too sharp. It didn't feel earned enough where Groose kind of more, like more gradually and gradually accepted the fact that, you know, this story isn't about him. He's not the hero in the story, but he can still help out in this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Midna made a bad first impression to me, and I think that that's what they were going for. She's supposed to be this like cocky, snarky um, person who who's clearly using you for her own gain. And
1: I think we were also like meant to kind of empathize with Zant later on, because when Zant kind of explains his motivations for taking over and using Ganondorf's power, you know, I I, I look back at it and I think about Midna and. You know, she's she definitely seems like the kind of person that would would rub someone like Zant the wrong way and end up causing them to be very hostile <laughs>
0: towards. Yeah, towards her. I, I would have loved to see more uh, kind of flashbacks between Midna and Zant. Actually, I think that would have been super interesting. Mm, yeah, I, I, I don't it, know. She's she's not my least favorite by any means. I, like, I think um, you know, Profunctionary, Like, she helps you out a lot in the game, which I think is great um she's a she's a fully fleshed out character with a developed arc which i which i think is great because uh, let's be honest you can't see that for a couple of these companions she you know it's just it's the same thing i'm going to throw another game out here as an example a lot of people have really enjoyed the game life is strange and uh, yeah. the main character in that game her name is chloe and a lot of people really like her She's a wonderfully developed character, wonderfully voice acted, fully fleshed out, but like she's, I just didn't really like her. But that's because she had so many character traits, defining character traits that I didn't really like, but I could still appreciate that she has them and that they resonate with some people. And I feel the same way about Midna. I know a lot of people that would, that swear by Midna.
1: And you know, that's, that's the wonderful thing is that it, it truly is what makes Midna such a great character, in that you know she has those flaws, she has those good moments, and then she has, you know, uh, her obviously her gameplay implementation, you know, the, all of these different facets that you know make her a complete character. It you know just happens to be the fact that so, yeah those, I know. I, those I character see... traits are not so great. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny I, because I you agree. said you're talking about Groose, like Groose, I feel felt was was goofy and so therefore charming and and by the end of it he's like the comic relief at the same t- while still actually contributing to the story mint at the end just felt like very sultry and it was just it was really weird i, I her, don't know how Her
0: farewell scene didn't really hit home with me as as far as like emotional goodbyes go uh we're going to get to this right. in a little bit but fee's fee's goodbye i thought was just an incredible scene. And Midna's, by comparison, I feel rings a little bit hollow. But that's also yeah. probably because I didn't form that bond with Midna over the game.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, n- no. And I,
0: I don't know if they were trying to go with some romantic uh, themes or motifs with Link and Midna. But if they were, it, well, it definitely didn't work for me. Well, supposedly
1: there were romantic motifs with Navi and Link. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, no. I according to some of the developers too. Apparently, like there was, there's an underlying kind of thing going on there, but it's not reciprocated, and it's something that like can never happen. So like kind of unrequited love, type deal. But you know, it was never really fleshed out. It was, it was never really, you know, gone beyond the development part. So it's totally up in the air whether it's ever going to be. <laughs>
0: Let's just move, let's just move I don't think right along from uh, yeah. from a navi link ship here. This ship is sailing. <laughs> we don't like uh, that. Let's talk about Celia from Phantom Hourglass. And uh, this is going to be a quick one because, to me, Celia is probably the most forgettable companion that you have. This is, I think, the definition of a perfunctionary companion because she is, of course, your stylus. Um, that's how you, you know, that's how you control Link is by Celia. So they kind of give her a backstory. Uh, you know, you find out somewhat in the game that she is one of the Ocean King's guardian spirits. Um, you know, she uses her powers in the final battle to, to help Link beat Bellum, but you know, there's not much, I don't know. There's, there's not much that I can say about her. She was very... She was very by the numbers for me.
1: Ciela to me was the discount version of and Tattle. And to where yeah. they had done and Tattle and then they were like, well, we're going to go, we're going to run with this fairy companion idea again. But this time we're not even really going to bother trying to incorporate her as much into the story as we can. And instead we're just going to make her as functional as possible and call it quits. And. Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't... It, it's hard. Like, she, she ranks towards the bottom for me as well in terms of companions just because there's not much there other than a functioning companion. So, but, like, I didn't I didn't find myself minding or missing it during the game. So, like, when I was playing, I didn't feel like, oh, you know, she, I, I really wish to She's definitely not
0: intrusive by any means. Um yeah. It's just unfortunately she's overshadowed in her own game by Linebeck, who we might as well just start talking about right now. Um so, He's so a Line, funny dude. Linebeck is for sure the standout character of Phantom Hourglass. I think everybody would agree on that. Even even the people that aren't the biggest fans of the DS games, aka Anti Spiterian, Taylor Wells, I think that I think that we can all appreciate Linebeck. He's just this like this funny schmo. Uh, he reminds me a lot of one of my real best friends, and uh <laughs> who's always kind of... He's very lineback in real life. Uh, he always gets himself into some shenanigans and, and whatnot. Um, I, I think that he's just a, a, a very funny game. He kind of reminds me of Captain Jack Sparrow. Like, that's the Zelda equivalent of Jack Sparrow, I feel like.
1: L- yes, definitely. Lineback reminds me a lot of kind of like being a prototype Groose without the bully aspect. And it's funny because he's he's such a... He's such a character. Like you don't. I it, Zelda, my experience with Zelda, like so, my my favorite games in the Zelda series tend to be some of the more serious ones. So you know, Ocarina, Majora's Mask, uh, Twilight Princess, even Skyward Sword. And they, these these different Zelda stories in where they focus a lot on you know the 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 drama of it, and then you you come in with with Phantom Hourglass. And you have Lineback. And it, it it's as you said, it's like you're you're straight out of a Pirates of the Caribbean uh movie and you're going through and he's there and just like this is such a throw like such a throwaway from what we're used to in terms of companions that it, it just it grew on me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, like that's that's what I always thought about lineback was like he is the Jack Sparrow of Zelda. So I I always kinda project you know, like like that Jack Sparrow esque vibe onto lineback. Like even even when I imagine him talking in my head, he sounds like Jack Sparrow. So he's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I I think that I hate to say it. I think it's too bad that he got stuck being in this game because if he would have been in another game, he might have been higher on my list of companions. Um, because I've I've only played Phantom Hourglass two three times, something like that. But, you know, for what for what it is, uh, I, I enjoy Linebeck. I think that he's one of the better characters, you know, companion-wise. Just because he's so ridiculous would be a good word for it. You know,
1: if and we I, ever I, get, I like,
0: that. a console
1: Wind Waker 2 kind of type Zelda game, I would love to see Linebeck make a reappearance and be kind of like your main companion or your, your main go-to story character.
0: Uh, you know what? I would sail on the SS Lineback anytime. So Yeah. Uh, Alright, let's stick with the DS Zeldas here and talk about Zelda from Spirit Tracks. Now, a couple weeks this ago is... on this show, I was complaining about Spirit Tracks, but I will also give credit where credit is due. I really enjoyed Princess Zelda as a companion. I think that's probably the the standout for me.
1: I think it's definitely one of her better implementations into a game. Like her like she she has probably the most active role in a Zelda game in Spirit Tracks. She's very she has she has a personality that is fun but still at the same time very very Zelda, very princessy. And it's just interesting to see her interact with Link on a long-term basis over a game as opposed to, oh, you meet her at the beginning of the game or you meet her in the middle of the game and then you see her very sporadically throughout the rest of the game mm-hmm. and then you have a big climactic ending that she's involved in and then that's it. You know? I, I kind like she's, that with that you she's the a whole brat time. in
0: this game. But to me, To me, this would be like traveling with Princess Ruto from Ocarina of Time. That's what that's what this would be like is how Zelda Oof. acts in Spirit Tracks. And and I find that their dynamic is very funny. And you know what um yeah the fact that she's so useful in that game I think really makes her stand out for me as well. Generally speaking, uh a companion's usefulness in game doesn't really factor into my like dislike for them, but in in this particular instance, I think that it definitely helps Zelda because it's such a it's such a cool power being able to control the phantoms.
1: I think it's one of the few redeeming factors of Spirit Tracks, and that that feature just allows you to do so many different things, and is so integral to what you what you need to accomplish in each dungeon. It, it the fact that they made it fun was super important.
0: You know, so. I actually like. I'm thinking about Spirit Tracks, and I think that that game does have redeeming features. Obviously, I think it has really good characters not a ton of them but enough really good characters i think i think that zelda is one of them i think that uh, burn is one of them but well and we were
1: also discussing you know it's it's around that time of the year where we start discussing you know you know where where our, our different zelda games kind of lie in our in our lists of awesomeness and interestingly enough i feel like spirit tracks for me looking at it now and giving it kind of like a second look has actually
0: improved its placing for me um i don't know i don't know if i'd go that far it, it's just it's hard for me to get over the controls of those games and i know that people are gonna dump all over me for saying that but I, you know i cannot tell a lie it, it's hard and i wish that some of these characters would have had life on a game with a different style of play because I, I know that I would like them more. I really did enjoy Princess Zelda in this game. I would have enjoyed her much more in something that was a little more traditional. So that's um, fair, but you know what on like, I, I, I I will give props where, you know, props are due. I think that uh, this game does have cool characters and I wish that some of them, you know, could be seen in a, uh, in a bigger, in a bigger role and on a bigger console
1: so certainly uh let's you know, maybe maybe here. all those fans look at that rush then we we might see like a wind waker 2 or a spirit tracks 2 on, on big console instead of uh tiny handhelds
0: yeah if, if there's a if there's like a wind waker 2-esque game um on the switch i i'd like to see somebody like burn come back like uh, or, or i would honestly or something. i would burn. honestly
1: play it i would give it yeah. a shot and i would say hey you know maybe this will change my opinion my opinions about uh wind waker
0: so I, I would say that Zelda, for me, is is uh, maybe pushing, like, the top five. Definitely middle of the pack. And and that's a win for Spirit Tracks when it comes to me. So there you yeah. go. Uh, let's move over to Skyward Sword. Let's quickly talk about the Crimson Loftwing. Very underrated companion, I feel like. She's kind of your Epona in Skyward Sword. And I feel like people don't appreciate the Crimson Loftwing because the... Sky World of Skyward Sword is quite drab,
1: right? A ta- Let's call a another spade a spade instance. Here. Yeah, another instance of a companion kind of unfortunately being tied to, you know, an, a not well received mechanic in a game.
0: Um, I, but, I unfortunately would also say that flying the Loftwing was the only part of Skyward Sword's motion controls that I wasn't crazy about. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I see my issue is with Skyward Sword. It really does boil down to that in that that was like the sky is really the only place in that game I feel on a personal level that I had no real connection to. I had no real interest in exploring it it looked drab, it looked bland. And then, you know, some of the segments where you're flying is a lot, as with the crimson Loft wing. They either worked really, really well, or they worked really, really poorly, which is pretty much right in line with everything else in Skyward, Skyward Sword when it came to the controls. So, you take that. I don't back. Know. You take that
0: back because that's not true. Hey, um, you I, and I, I will both say agree. No, I love I love motion controls in Skyward Sword. I I love them. The only time well, because you and I, I, I didn't like have them. any problems with it. Yeah, it was everybody else that did. Well, everybody else is wrong so there um i i love that that feeling of like jumping off of a dock or something like that falling falling mm-hmm. falling, falling 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 and then like at the last second you call in the crimson wing i think that that is a really cool aspect of skyward sword um and i do like that a lot there's she she's basically like your version of epona in this game she has all the same characteristics as epona um and it's cool to see her immortalized on the hylian shield so that, that was, yeah. I, I really appreciated that, because I was always like, what's this red thing on there before? And to find out that it was your Crimson Loftwing, I thought was really cool.
1: Yeah, that being said, though, like, I really wish this this character would make future appearances, because as it stands right now, she's just a one-off opponent. Yeah, I, that I would love to see me. Loftwings come back. Yeah, and it bothers me because, as you said, she's such a cool character, and like the connection between Link and and the Crimson Loftwing, I feel in in Skyward Sword is actually a lot more defined than many of opponent's appearances outside of Twilight Princess.
0: Uh, I don't know about that, but. Well, like think about it. I, I would it, like know, to she... see them come back.
1: She's captured by Gurus at the beginning, you have to go and rescue her, and then once you rescue her, like, you know, she she shares, from that point on, she shares a lot of traits with Epona, but she's also, uh, you know, one of the more important aspects of it, because she's essentially a gift from the goddess Hylia to Link, and that they are forever connected, and it makes me wonder if perhaps the Crimson uh, Crimson Loftwing spirit in later games is actually inhabiting uh, Epona.
0: Yeah, perhaps that's definitely. There's, there's. That's the thing. There's so many cool questions and theories that you could ask about so many of these companions. Um, all I know is I'd love to see another game where there's Loftwings. I For think sure. that uh, that if they controlled just normally and that they're imagine flying a Loftwing in Breath of the Wild. My God, that would just be incredible. God, oh, that would be incredible. Man. It would so, be something else. That's for sure. Uh, let's talk about Fee. And before anybody says it, yes, I'm going to call her Fee because that's what I called her when I was playing the game. I don't care what you call her. You know who I'm talking about. She's Fee to me, so suck it. It's
1: okay. I'll call her Fi
0: for everybody else. Okay, that's perfect. Uh, I love her. She's she's my favorite. I'm so going to definitively say that she's my favorite.
1: Okay. Okay. You know what? And see, I was expecting that. That's why when you uh when you're talking earlier about Epona possibly being your favorite, it was a little surprising to me.
0: I was like, hmm, really? Over Fi. You know what? I For thought me, about Epona. I thought about Ezlo. I just come back to 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 Fee and I'm like, "Man, I just Well, need... as much as as much as I love Ezlo, I don't
1: really see him being at the top of anybody's list. He's he's a fun character. He's cool and we we both like him, but there's just not enough there, I think, to top a list unless we get some like extra stuff with them. But five for me is is Navi 2.0. Five feels like what Ugh. what Nintendo's original idea for Navi was, and they kind of fully realized it. Unfortunately, Ugh. that also came with adding on some of the more annoying traits of Navi. But Her story is as developed as the King of Red Lions and Midna. Her contributions to the, not just the story, but also the game in the fact that she is the Master Sword and she also helps you throughout your journey in in figuring out what's going on and where you need to go next. It's just, she's everything that, I think Nintendo originally wanted Navi to be, but did not quite realize at the time, or didn't have the ability
0: to realize at the time. I'm I'm glad that you brought up the, the controller thing, because I'll i give you that. That's annoying. Um, But just change your batteries, and then it won't happen. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying here? You, know, mm-hmm. you don't have to dump Absolutely. all over Fee just for that. Y- you and I are How on the same page. How else is that game going to tell you that? I,
1: it, it's funny so. cause you, you and I, I think agree the most on both Ocarina of Time and Skyward Sword. And yes, um, especially, I, I, I can
0: understand why people are just like, God, that's annoying though. So I, I'll yeah. give them that. I will give them that. Um, and I wonder, have you played that game on uh, just the Wii or did you play it on the Wii U? Cause I wonder if it does that on the Wii U. No, because uh-huh. you still use Motes on that. That's right. I
1: only ever played Skyward Sword on the Wii, so I cannot say.
0: So I wonder when we get Skyward Sword HD, what they're you know, if they'll just get rid of that. Let's hope. Let's hope. Mm, yeah. There there is just something
1: I, I don't know though, on the on the three D S version though, they didn't really get rid of Navi's uh Navi's notifications either. In yeah, fact but I think. Navi a wasn't telling you to change the batteries worse.
0: on your N sixty four controller.
1: No, she was just telling me to uh, save and quit because it's been an hour of gameplay.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'll probably be a thing, to be honest, in Skyward Sword. They're very, uh, hey, you should take a break. You've been playing for 15 minutes. But anyways, there to me, there's just something so magical about Fee. Um, Those Those scenes when she is just dancing. She looks like a figure skater and she's dancing and she goes up the walls and Link is playing the harp and it's just like those scenes are just pure magic to me and she's just so graceful in those scenes and and it's just like it's one of those moments in Zelda where I distinctly remember my breath was taken away and I was just like wow this is like this is Zelda right here like it's this is what I love about Zelda um I thought that she was very funny like I know a lot of people kind of dump all over her like statistics and stuff like that but like I I thought they were great I thought that they added like levity and humor to the game i thought that her uh her relationship with scrapper was hilarious everything about her worked for me i think um and you know a lot of people like to say that they didn't really see her and link connecting that much and that the final scene with her didn't feel earned but i disagree i feel like over the course of the game like for what navi is and for what fee is she's basically a computer right i Mm. feel like she, you you do kind of see that slow little softening there it, it's not like a giant leap and it's not like this this sharp reversal like midna but it, it's just gradual and it's subtle and I think that you do see that and that's that to me makes the final scene one of the most powerful maybe the most powerful in the entire series where she says i goodbye. completely agree I completely um, agree like just it, it like I remember when the first part of that scene where she's just like, our, our journey of necessity is over and now we will go our separate ways. Goodbye. And that was that. And I was like, oh God, like, you know, I, goodbye, I guess. Like, that's that's harsh. And then walking away and then she was like, Link. And she calls you back and it is the this amazing, amazing scene where this, this music is playing. It's some of the best music in the entire Zelda series. She tells you about how she wants you know she's recorded these words said to you so many times and now she wants to say them thank you maybe meet again in another life that was just like magic that that whole scene was just magic and it was so good and it it's comforting to me to know that no matter what when you have that master sword you have fee. yeah
1: absolutely i can't i can't disagree with you on any of that um I think that her, her character growth, and this is what, again, I think also separates her from Midna and uh, for both of us, as you as you pointed out, is the juxtaposition between the quickness and the gradualness. And I think if you really pay attention to, you know, all the times that Fi comes up in the story and is talking or, you know, as the story progresses, like you can see the small changes in her dialogue and the way that she talks to link and the way that Mm -hmm. she describes things and the way that she goes about stuff that if you're really paying attention, like the ending is not surprising. It's not quick for, for any, anybody. And that it, I don't, I don't understand how people can say it's undeserved.
0: I I agree. It's very difficult. by, By the end of it, I distinctly remember like just being completely caught like off guard. Like I, like, a vi- this is a video game we're talking about, a video game character, and I was just like, oh, geez, like, did I do something to upset her? Were we not as close as I thought? Like, right? that's a video game character. That's, that's a fully developed character when you are sitting there thinking that and feeling that. So, no, it, it, it didn't bat you over the head with, like, okay, she's going to give a bunch of things and now she's, you know, indicating that she's in love with Link and, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, this is, for all intents and purposes, a machine with a with with a spirit to her that is learning how to say this and by the end of the game she finally learns how to tell link like what she feels which is you know she doesn't even feel because she's not capable of feeling but it's it's just such a great scene it's it's one of the great scenes in legend of zelda i think and to me that that you know i said before about epona and i said about Eslo that they might be my favorites no it's V. I wonder, you know, if do you think that
1: magic would be ruined if if I were to return some for, form in a future game?
0: I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, it would ha- it would depend on how it was done. It's it's like it it was a very it was a very impactful scene though, and if if she were to ever come back out of the Master Sword, might it take away from that scene? Maybe, but I don't think so. It would would definitely depend on how it's done. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm fine just leaving it as it is because, you know, everything like just talking about the story of Skyward Sword here just for a quick second, like everything about that game, I feel was just like storytelling perfection from the way that they nailed Link and Zelda's relationship to the way that they they developed Groose into a fully fledged character to just like some of the cinematics and the uh, the direction of the scenes you know the can the angles were always the right shot impo is just a great like everything about that that final um the final arc of skyward sword built into this like amazing crescendo of of just fully developed characters giving you this payoff and you know i i think i i think that it's just some of the best stuff that zelda's ever done
1: one thousand percent agree all right, all right so we're there's nothing further to add, we're gonna uh,
0: we're running long here so let's move on to a quasi companion and then we're gonna bring it home here all Wolf right link from breath of the wild <laughs> is this guy a companion is he not whatever let's call him i a mean companion. You, you technically you can summon him and he can follow you around so i mean by our own rules that's yeah kind of, that's, that's a companion right there
1: technically yes I would argue that because he's kind of locked behind a quote-unquote paywall, you have to have the Amiibo, but... Yes,
0: well, uh, here's the thing. I wonder how many people are just like me and bought Twilight Princess HD strictly for that Amiibo. Strictly to And got it for free, yeah. (laughs) I did. Breath of the Wild. (laughs) I didn't even want to play Twilight Princess. I just wanted the Amiibo, A, because it looked cool, and B, because I knew that it would be... You know, there'd be something in Breath of the Wild, but I, I love the way that the that Wolf Link looks in Breath of the Wild's uh, artistic aesthetic. I think that it like he looks incredible in there. I right? it just makes me wish that Twilight Princess would have been in that same style.
1: Oh, definitely. His animations are very crisp and, and great, and he feels he feels just really good to have by your side. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's unfortunate that all of our characterization for him. Strictly, strictly comes from us having played Twilight Princess, because there's there's no character development, there's no you know story you know, to it. To me, pop that's okay. in and, It's just like yeah. kind
0: of like you're summoning like your dog to help you fight, and it's just like, well, not boy. just like
1: that. It also it it, it gives you the ability to kind of like mold your own story, I guess, with it. So I, I don't remember if you if you recall this, but there was this story about this um these two, I think they were brothers, and where they were super looking forward to Breath of the Wild and they were super hyped up about it. And then one of the brothers died of like an illness or an accident or something. And he had named his, his Wolf Link uh, save file from Twilight Princess on onto that amiibo. Um, so, like, he completed the Cave of Trials and everything like that. And so, when they announced that you would be able to use that Wolf Link amiibo to. Summon him into the game. Like that kid was, was heartbroken and and so gratified by it because it gave uh, him I, yeah the opportunity now that you say to, that I do yeah it gave him the opportunity to kind of like be able to still play the game with his with his brother or sister, and it was it was quite a moving article when I first read it and and a story and it made me wonder like can can companions be you know something like that for those of us who may not have the luxury of you know a deep connection with someone at the moment or like you know a, a love a you know a significant other or 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 a sibling or you know that kind of thing it kind of gives mm-hmm. you the the connection that
0: yeah no that that's a all great, of us kind of that's want. a great point i I forgot about that I agree that's that's really that that's it makes you appreciate the bond, I think, with your companions even more. Absolutely. So.
1: so, while it sucks that it's kind of locked behind a paywall, it is a really neat concept, and I think I think he counts as a semi semi companion.
0: Uh, yeah. You know what? Why not? You just you can't pet him, which kind of sucks, but. Yeah, I come on, Nintendo. Let us pet our dogs. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so that is all of the companions in the Zelda series talked about definitively not ranked just talked Um, just (laughs) talked just the discussion (laughs) yeah like going going through this uh this trip down memory lane has really made me appreciate like even the ones that you know aren't necessarily my favorite I still feel like you know you go through this journey together and you go through this adventure together and by the end of it you are you know you're you're partners and you know you're For better or worse, like your partners, you don't have to like your partner. You don't, but you appreciate them. And I do appreciate everyone on this list. So, absolutely, and I think that's probably the end goal of a companion in Zelda, right there.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of the characters were like poorly, poorly designed. They weren't poorly uh, developed for the games that they featured in. They all functioned well enough, mechanically speaking, and all of them had, even if they were minor, had bits of story to them or super major and add huge amounts of story to them. Mm-hmm. And none of them really, I think, took away from the games that they featured in, and they all at least added a little bit of something. So it was, it's, it's always nice to see companions, I think in Zelda, and I look forward to, to seeing what the next ones are.
0: Yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, and hopefully we won't have to wait too much longer for our next sneak peek at a Zelda companion. Uh, but that's going to do it for us this week. We are running long. So uh, we're going to encourage you once again to head over to the site, check out uh, a bunch of the different articles coming out this week for Companion Week. If you have a particular one that you like, chances are that there's going to be something uh, written about it, so definitely make sure to check that out. Um, That's been episode 26 of the Champion's Castle. Please, don't forget to head over to iTunes and to Podbean. Like, subscribe, share, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, we, We read every comment, we appreciate every like, so, you know, don't think that uh, that we don't see the people giving us some love, and also I just want to give a shout out too. We've uh, we've passed ten thousand downloads on the Champions Cast, which is so Woo! cool. Yeah, you know that might it's not it's not huge numbers compared to uh, to you know some of the big podcasts out there, but I think for our little side project that we you know wanted to do just based off of us playing Mario Kart together one night, I'm really really happy that uh, you know people are are along for this journey with us. So. Thank you to everyone. It's turned
1: out, out quite well. Yeah, thank you, everybody.
0: And uh, we're going to keep this train rolling. So there you go. That's episode 26 of the Champions Cast. My name's Andy. His is Taylor. Find us at Twitter, at Spateri316, at GIF underscore Bluehawk. That's going to do it for us this week. We're out of time. We're out of here. and We'll see you all next week. Have a good one, guys. Later, everybody.